Nick, how are you? I'm all right. Why are we in the uh, Royal Festival Hall area, Steve? Um, we're in the Southback Centre um, because we've come to see Adam Buxton again. Wicked. It's a bug special. We're sitting underneath the seats of the... You can see the Royal Festival Hall. You see the sloping floor there? Yeah. They're all the seats. So I'm just pointing up now at the moment to show Steve that the, f- the ceiling above us is pitched and um, you can see each... Uh, row of seats above us and above there is it's where i was artic- steve i was awarded my phd oh many moons ago do you remember that and and four i believe 2004. it might have been actually it was in the winter because i actually passed it in july and then they have to ratify it and things like that so yeah. it was actually in the winter that i was awarded it anyway it um yeah. it's a pretty nice place i'll just describe so you can probably hear a bit of background noise there's all kinds of people sitting around bunch of guys behind us. I don't know what they're doing. They look like they're doing some arty stuff with the, with a ball. There's some seagulls hanging from the ceiling in an artistic kind of fashion. There's a guy on the table over there who's doing some things, weird things, with looks like sort of child paints. The, the thing is, Nick, right? Like you have to remember because you've got headphones on, you can't hear how loud you're speaking. So they I might give it. <laughs> yeah, but I don't. But I don't care, Steve. And <laughs> if they want to come and have a chat with me, I'm not insulting anyone. I'm no. just saying what they're doing. Sure. But it's a cool place. To, and I, I was just saying as well, Steve, that I love these 70s buildings, 60s, 70s architecture. Yeah. Because they're all, re- when they're hor- I mean, they look nasty outside unless you like the concrete brutalist type thing. But inside, they're so open. And wherever you look, you can see a really long way. And there's different levels. And I love the wood. I love I, the wood I rails. I love the wood flooring. I love the <laughs> carpet. It looks a bit like a university to me. That's what it looks like. It looks like a Russell Group University in here. Yeah, I think I like that. Yeah. Well, a lot of Russell Group universities are like that, aren't they, as well? Well, that's why I said it looks like it. <laughs> 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 You're such a smart <laughs> Leave me alone. Well, yeah, we're here, Nick. We're here. We've got a bug special. I've got some, su- I've got some bug-related science because we've come to see Adam Buxton oh, show really? bug. You know, you know what? Do you know what? I... I only just worked out I had this when I was <laughs> when I was sat down thinking about what to talk to you Can about. Can I also say that I also have some bug-related science? <sighs> and I also have realised that <laughs> it's to do with bug just when you said that. I didn't yeah. realise before. Science shed! We're in the science shed! Science shed! We're in the science shed! Come on, Steve. Bunsen. Internal. Why do we need Oscar. Isaac. Newton. Transplanting. <laughs> <laughs> just um, telling Nick off for not using the equipment properly. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Steve, craft brewers are going wild. Craft brewers. Tell well, me about we it. Like, we, we often talk about, about beers. Yeah. It's a good combination of science. Or gin or cocktails. Yeah. And we've had a few. We had that conversation in Scout. Yeah. We're interested in cocktails. Yeah. We, in general, I'm we're interested in booze. We are, and there is a science to booze. There's very much so. A science so I just to came this. across something this week. Right, okay. Across a, a paper. Craft pr- craft brewers are going wild. Okay, so I, in general, I really like a craft beer. I like I like the. I know you don't like you don't like the intellectualization of beer. But I quite like people like caring and loving my beer. So I'm a general fan of the kind of craft movement in general, even if it means my beer is more expensive. I love uh, well-crafted beers. Yeah. And I, I, I hesitate to say I love craft beer. I love a beer that a lot of time and attention has gone into. Yeah. But um, 
I don't agree with the whole hairstyles and beards that surrounds it. What's and wrong the with bikes, beards? The fixed wheel bikes, that sort of What's thing. I've got a fixie in a beard. What's wrong with that? Well, I think you're a bunch of. <laughs> <laughs> I like ale, I like nice ale, and I yeah. always have liked nice ale, even before the craftsman of it. Anyway, where do you think, like, you know when you have a beer, Yeah. where do the flavours come from? Where do the flavours come from? Yeah. Well, so I suppose, so, so what you're doing in beer is you're fermenting, you take grain, uh, you know, and then you have to, you have to germinate it. Barley. Yeah. Uh, then it have to germinate to trick the kind of complex sugars to become simple sugars so that yeast can ferment it. So I presume it must come. So the kind of flavors, the kind of that you associate with beer, uh, happen as the either either as the yeast oxidizes the sugars, or as the, the the complex carbohydrates of the of the barley get get malted in 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 the water. That would be my guess. Yeah, but I I think I would have first of all said it's to do with the yeah the malt where the malt comes from because you can get lots of different types of malted barley. Yeah. All different varieties and strains. Yeah. And you can also get different types of hops. Yeah, and everyone's heard. Well, some you people have heard. You of don't different necessarily need hops for hops. a beer, though. No, you don't. Yeah. But um, it's very common in the sort of German beer definition. Hops is one of the four ingredients. Yeah, that's true. The German purity law of fifteen sixteen. I think you're referring to. <laughs> is it fifteen sixteen? Yeah, of course. Okay, I won't forget that now, Steve. Okay, <laughs> you can beat me over the knuckles with a ruler. If I, I will test you next time. You can call anyway, me. so. Um, yeah, so, yeah, hop, right. I, so I thought it was to do with the hops and the changes where the saucy was. But I found it's, it's that there's another layer of complexity in beer's flavour. Right, okay. And you've alluded to it. And it's to do with the way that yeast metabolises yeah, alcohol. So I, so I got it it's right. more complicated than just turning sugar, glucose. Yeah. So glucose is the, the thing that yeast likes to chomp up. So yeah. just for people who are listening, yeast is a... It's kind of a single-cell organism. It's a fungus, but it floats around in suspension, and it chomps up some of them, chomp up sugar, and they turn it into alcohol, and that's the basis of of the brewing industry. Absolutely, yeah. So, and so, so in some cases, in things like wine, that, that yeast kind of naturally lives on the grape. In the case of kind of beer, normally you add a, a culture, so you so you waz in some extra yeast. Absolutely, Steve. You're honing in on what, I've, what I'm talking <laughs> oh, about. Oh, so it's yeah. the type of yeast, is that there what you're saying? There are loads, and I didn't know this, there are there are thousands of different strains of yeast. Oh, I mean so, when, so when people are making their fancy beers, they like chew, they've got a big catalogue of all the different types of yeast, do they? Yeah, kind of, and I found it, I came across an article, I actually saw it in Science News, which is like a sort of quite popular science website. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was talking about, there's a guy, and basically he's a biochemist, but he also likes hanging around in nature. Right. And he came across, basically, he sources yeast from the wild. So whenever so he goes out... Yeah, how, yeah. how do you find a yeast? How do well, you go? Here we go. Yeah. Whenever I was out and about... Next quoting. I now. would grab something, a piece of bark, a berry, bring it back to the lab and get yeast from it. Okay, so how do you get yeast from a bark? It's hard not to find yeast. <laughs> I, I'm still confused. You'll know. You're, you're he close was, to He's using. sourcing wild strains of yeast. Yeah, sure, but so he's got some bark. He goes around the park. He goes and gets bark, and, and then, then he whacks the bark in some kind of media broth. Right, and then grows up grows the yeast the that were the yeah. And then ah. he uses that to make his craft beers after he gets off his fixie so and before he <laughs> grooms his fucking beer. Just before he gets in his unicycle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so... Yeah. Yeah, it's quite interesting. So there's loads of strains. I, mean, I can't remember how many there were. There's, there's literally thousands of strains of... of, of so presumably his beer must sometimes be terrible and sometimes be really good. Well, I think that's the art. That's what he's doing. He's trying to work out which ones are nice. Anyway, this guy, he's doing it. He's just brewing shit. So he goes and sources... So usually if you brew beer, you'll, ha you'll buy yeast in a packet often. 
yeah. you'll pour it in with your your malt. You might buy the malt set. You might malt it yourself. You might make yeah. your own mash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you can buy that as well, and you malt it and you ferment it. And you know, I'm not a brewer. I don't know the ins and outs of it. But basically, you end up with something which is um, fermented barley mash. Yeah. And it tastes nice. And some of the flavour comes from not only the hops and not only the type of malt, but also from the kind of um, volatile aromatic compounds, yeah. which are byproducts of the yeast metabolism. Absolutely. So this is what the guy's doing. Thiols, he's, right? he's sourcing different types of, of yeast which, ha- which produce different profiles. Yeah. That's, that's the art of what he's doing. So there's, I know it's very common in things like uh, whiskey distilling. You get a very, which obviously is a very similar process, but apart from you have the, dist- the distillation yeah. after you've made made the, the the beer, essentially. Totally true. Um, they have a lot of thiol-containing compounds, and that's why uh, cop- uh, copper is used to make stills in whiskey, the whiskey industry because copper chelates very readily to primary thiol, so sulfur-containing molecules. So, so it gets rid of nasty flavors. Gets rid of some nasty flavors. It's it like sticks. a copper sponge. For a nasty copper sponge shit. sticks the nasty, horrible, mm. the volatile organic compounds. These primary thiols. Um, in, in, and so it means that your um, your whiskey tastes nicer. It's so amazing. Yeah, and that's they're, they're more volatile. Well, they're the same volatility, but they're heated up in a, in, a, in a whiskey point, so you can separate them out all at one time. Yeah. But it, yeah, so 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 what we need to do is we need an experiment, Nick. We need we need beer, ferment exactly the same mash, fermented with different yeast. I want to try it. Yeah, you can. Well, actually, there's something similar has been done. Yeah. So just. So after I'd read it, I was quite interested in this story, and it turns out that there is quite a lot of science related to the compounds that um, yeast produce. So in this particular brew that he'd made, he found... um, So this is a paper, is it? Not yet. No, he's he's just a dude who's trying to brew beer. But he'd found a strain of yeast which produced... It's like the start of a really crap TV show. He's just a dude that wants to brew beer. He found a beer that made an amazing pineapple guava smell, like an umbrella drink. That's what he said. Wow! Like a cocktail. But does, they do. Does, does he know what it is? Is he taking those that, that after he grows up the yeast? Is he then sequencing it or trying to work out what kind of yeast it is, or he just? No, but so somebody has. Ah, <laughs> interesting. So, um, the, so this led me on to a paper to do with how um, yeast how they smell yeah and how they produce these different metabolites yeah so um yeast ines- can't smell but the, the thing the thi- oh things can smell yeast yeah right. insects smell yeast yeah. bugs smell yeast bugs smell yeast this is my first bug drop yeah day. okay anyway so why there's, do, there's why, a do, why do insects need to smell yeast because they eat it um this is a good question uh, okay so you'll you'll find out in a minute but ah, there's more so yeast produce all of these um, aromatic compounds. Yeah. And apart from in beer, where they give them their flavour, it's thought that part of the reason that they produce these smells is to attract insects. Okay. So why do you think a yeast would want to attract insects, Steve? I, I, um, I guess... And why do, do you think w- an insect would be interested? Well, would, a, would an insect... So an insect probably wants to... Here's a, here's a, here's a theory. So an insect wants to, wants to eat... Uh, simple sugars because you get lots of energy mm, from simple sugars. Yum, 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 yum. Um, and so if there's some, if there's if you can smell a yeast, the yeast is going to be near a simple sugar because it's fermenting yum, simple sugars yeah, into alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe it tells them where the grapes are or where the spot on, right? So oh, totally nailed I mean, it. fruit flies are one of the most yeah. well-known. So if you do experiments in the lab, often you use fruit flies. This yeah. is called Drosophila, and it turns out they're really sensitive to yeast. some of the aromatic compounds that yeast produces. Right. Okay. And it's because 
probably fruit flies are attracted to rotting fruit. Yeah. So the fruit starts to ferment. Yeah. The insects can smell it, yeah. and then they hone in on it. So and if you've ever kept fruit in the kitchen, when it starts to go off, you get flies on it. Right? Yeah. Because they can smell the bastards. But but why doesn't why why have the why have the flies just not evolved to smell fruit? <laughs> This is an interesting question. Like, that's what we do. We go, oh, that smells like a banana. Oh, there's a banana there. Well, you, don't, exactly you don't go, oh, there's ethylene. But why would they smell yeast? Why would they be bothered about yeast? Why would yeast smell like the fruit? Um, well, that's what I'm asking you. I, I, my, my, my argument might be that because they'd be near simple sugars, whereas there could be complex carbohydrates everywhere. Whereas when you smell a potato... So these guys think that it's to do with dispersal of the yeast. Yeast don't uh, have right. a method of... Yeah. They can't of move. No, they can't move, so they can't get a bat. Imagine but if an insect just, like, just like sat around like a big potato. If an insect lands around. on it, they put their feet on it, and they fly off, and they seed the yeast somewhere else. Right. And that's really successful. You know, it's good to spread yourself around if you're, a bio- if you're an organism. Well, same, if you're, same if you're a fruit tree. <laughs> that's how... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay. Anyway, there L- was a... There's literally, a pa- so your wild oats. <laughs> there's a paper where they actually studied this. Yeah. So they were interested in it. So they were interested, first of all, in um, in what yeast produce, what the volatile compounds were. Okay. So they screened a load of different strains of yeast, similar to what this dude's doing, like sourcing yeast in the wild. Yeah. So he went out and found all of these different barks and stuff, and he tried to make beer with them, and he, he thought, well, the beer tastes good or it tastes bad. Yeah. So these guys in the lab, what they did, they took the yeast and they just grew it, and then they analysed the smells, compounds that came on. Just chromatography or something? Yeah, just using mass spec. So they looked at what was coming off all of right. the compounds. So they were able to identify different compounds. Well, so what's in it? Off. Tell me the chemistry. What's in it? Here we it's go. exciting. So a lot of them are things like isoamyl nitrate. Okay. Ethyl acetate. Ethyl acetate. Oh, that smells like um, smells like uh, like pear drops. Ethyl acetate. Exactly. So it's got this sort of fruity smell. Yeah. Anyway, so um, they also found out as well that the Drosophila, right? Yeah. They could only smell yeast in which a particular gene was active. No. Yeah. Bullshit. So, here we are. We've got well, basically what you told me is that there's fruit flies and uh yeast uh they can smell they can smell specific kinds of yeast because it's good for them to uh to find so for the for the fly it finds fruit and it finds energy and then for the yeast it means that that the flies attracted and then the the yeast can spread its genetic material around because it can't move exactly so um but the yeast the smell of the yeast is dependent on a particular gene right all right and they had an idea about what the gene was and they removed the gene from the yeast right what's it called it's called um ATF1. So it's it makes the gene it makes a protein called alcohol acetyltransferase. Right. Heard of that. Yeah, so it's a gene involved in alcohol production. Yeah. Anyway, they remove that out. If you move that out of the yeast, nothing happens. So, so when you say that, basically what you do is you go in genetically and you take a kind of little molecular pair of scissors and you chop out the DNA which is used there to which tells the set the, the, the fly to make that sorry, tells the yeast to make that particular protein. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, this gene is switched on. The yeast produce a protein. They can do something. Anyway, if you knock that gene out of yeast, nothing yeah. happens. The yeast is totally fine. Right. Doesn't have so an the yeast doesn't know. Yeast that doesn't, ha- doesn't ha- happen normally. Right. So, if by all, for all intents and purposes, if you remove that gene from the yeast, nothing happens. Yeast is just fine. It's going, oh, no, I'm yeast. I know that. 
It's just sitting in a bowl. Just doing its thing. <laughs> I, like your I like your impression of a yeast. Thanks, man. Because they can't move. It was good. Nick was kind of like puffing his, his anyway, neck in this out there. Anyway, in this paper, these guys thought, well, actually, maybe it's got a gene. Maybe Sorry, maybe it's got a role in producing a smell to attract a fly. Yeah. So they did a test. So you waz a load of yeast in, waz a load of flies, and they see where they go. They took the gene out. Yeah. They put the flies in a special little chamber. Yeah. They pumped in some of this stuff. Do you, do you think, you know, when people like complain that scientists are like wasting money, right? And you were there. Imagine there if that was your job to build the special fly chamber to test whether fly, if you knocked out a gene in a, in a yeast, the fly would smell it or not. doesn't seem like it's like the change in the world. It is interesting. I'll give you, it's very interesting. So they make this chain, exactly. They make a chamber and they, they basically put a bunch of flies in there and they pump air in from different directions and they just count how many flies go to different areas. Yeah. And basically they love the yeast, which has got this gene much more than the yeast that doesn't have this gene. So the flies can smell the gene and it's because the yeast which has the gene is making these volatile compounds which is essentially ah, attracting of course the flies okay. and the argument that the people make in this paper is that the yeast is mimicking fruit yeah so indeed. it's mimicking fruit to ah, try and get the cool. flies because so it wants to disperse so itself. It, it wants the ah very interesting so it's trying to trick the fly into into moving it around exactly so there you go that's amazing. That's really can interesting. You, can you think of other places where you can source yeast from? Uh, Nick's doing his pervy face. <laughs> where else can you? Where else do you get yeast, Steve? Oh, you get oh, you get yeast everywhere, Nick. Can you think of a place you get yeast from? <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I can't. I couldn't possibly. What are you thinking? You of? won't believe this, but I found a company um, which are trying to <laughs> make beer. Market beer no. by, by using no. um, microbiology from ladies' bits. Come on. So there's a company. <laughs> hold on. Follow me for a second. All here, right. Okay. Uh, I'm giving you I'm three gonna minutes. I'm going to resolve this. <laughs> there's a company called The Order of... Also, how the f*** <laughs> did you find this? <laughs> this is a late night, deep delve Google... Uh, well, I thought I, you think about it. It's a natural, <laughs> lateral thinking. Of so course, start, it's a natural. You yeah. start thinking. There's a chap going out in the woods to source yeast from different places, bark and such like. And I'm thinking, yeah. oh, you can yeast from other places. Uh, you know. Uh, so what, what was your search? To, I love, I love the thought of him just going. No, it's it's perfectly normal. It's a logical conclusion. Uh, anyway, I, everyone would have got I to think, this eventually. I think my my search term was vagina yeast beer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. and, okay. And What's the company called? Where's it based? Beautifully, the world's a big place, and someone. You know, like, like, I, 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 last time we had a podcast, <laughs> I came up with a with a nice two hundred pound bottle of gin, and I we like might be able to get us some free gin. Did they send us any? Not yet, but I did tweet them. Did but they you, tweet back? But the point is, we should go after champagne, mate. Don't go after like like <laughs> vagina beer. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the web. The, the beer is it's Polish beer, right? And the website's called Order of Yoni. Yoni. So Yoni is a Hindu word for vagina. Oh my god! <laughs> That's what I thought. And you can buy beer which has microbiology you sourced must have been from. Loving this wait when from you it. This. Wait, wait from right. it. Sourced from a model who you can look at on their website. So so I'm going to show Steve a picture now. You can choose your model. I'm going to show a picture. Right. So Nick, show me a, you know an attractive young lady. Alexandra. Brendlover. Have you oh. noticed her name? Look at her surname. Brendlover. Brendlover. Okay. Remove one letter from Brendlover and see whether you can come up with a smutty name. Brendlover. Remove the R. Pronounce what you see when you remove the R, Steve. Brendlover. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like a poor but, name. But there's a, there's you a, know what? There's, there's, only, there's only one woman. So I no, there's, you can choose. There's multiple women. You can look at the pictures and choose. <laughs> 
<laughs> he must have been so happy finding I've this. Heard, and, and here we Look go. How pleased he is. Here's himself. the preamble. This right, is the okay, preamble. Give me, give, hit me. It's like a, it's like I, one I've, of those I'm bad emails an... you get from Nigeria. <laughs> yeah. Imagine woman of your dreams, your objects of desire, her charm, her sensuality, her passion. Try how she tastes, feel her smell, hear her voice. Now imagine her giving you a passionate message, gently whispering anything you'd like to hear. Oh my god. Now free your fantasies and imagine all that can be closed in a bottle of beer. A golden drink bowl with lard and grace and flavored with wild instincts. Flavored imagine with a wild beer instincts. which every sips of is a rendezvous. With this hot woman of your dreams, she hugs you and kisses you gently, looking straight in your eyes. How much would you give for such a beer? Wow. Here we go. So the secret of the beer lies in her vagina. <laughs> Normally when I'm trying to do something like this, you cut me off, but you're just, you're just hammering on through it. Okay. The secret of the beer lies that's in her just, vagina. That's, a set, that's the, the hook sentence, isn't it? They just go into it. They, they do this right. preamble and it's just the secret of the beer lies in her vagina. Anyway, so I, they take. I, so what are they doing? They're taking swabs. Oh come on! <laughs> it's obviously. Well, I, I read this and I thought, well, this is, you know, is it commercially is available? Can you yeah, buy, you can buy. How much is it? How much I, is I didn't look at the price. Oh I come on! I actually didn't because I was rushed. I looked I, at the antigen price. I looked at the bottom half of the internet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that will make that will make good co- podcasting. The bottom half of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Some people make a career out of it. Anyway, look, I knew this. We're about to go see Adam Buxton talk well, about I the bottom knew, half. I knew, <laughs> I knew this was nonsense. Right. When I saw it, because I know that brewer's yeast is an organism called Saccharomyces cerevisiae. That's right. And the yeast you get. They don't use that most of the time from brew, brewing, though. Do they not? No. I thought that's No, you, c- you can get beer exclusively made from it, but it's not very nice. Because my colleague, uh, Professor Tony Carr, who works at the Genome Damage and Stability Center in the University of Sussex, He's the director of it there. They, they've got some in the lab, and it's horrible, apparently. So well, you'll have to tell me another time, because yeah. it's, it's, it's not something that I know a huge amount about. I thought there were strains of that particular yeast which, was, which were used. Right. Anyway, the yeast that you get, you know, in your... Yeah. Yeah. Bits. Lady bits. In your lady garden. Yeah, you can get it on your man bits as well. Oh, can you? Yeah. So yeah. we could have an equivalent. Yeah. So, it's, it's just, so it's bloody sexist is what that website is. We should, we should open up... Well, I think that beer... I think maybe they're going for the male... Well, men generally like beer more than women. Well, that's that's very sexist. And men are generally I feel sorry for the women that w- they're going to want man man flavored beer. I think that's fine, and I agree with you. But think about the market <laughs> and the smuttiness of. I mean, it's for the FHM. It's for the it's for the Neanderthal <laughs> FHM. Exactly. You know, it's not mm. for the discerning fixie rider, is it? Oh, exactly. well, maybe not. Maybe. But maybe you do it in secret. He probably does it in his own bedroom. <laughs> Dirty bastard. <laughs> Anyway, I know for a fact that yeah. the, the yeast you get there is not saccharomyces. It's not saccharomyces at all. It's Candida albicans. Right. So that's a different kind of yeast. Ferment alcohol. You ah. can't use it to ferment alcohol. What these guys are actually wa- doing is just wha- they're whacking a load of la- they're whacking a load of bacteria in it just for a bit of fun. You know, like yogurt bacteria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just whacking it in for a gimmick. There's no alcohol creation. It's like some kind of but it's pathetic. The, it's booze. There's no alcohol in the. It's in just made using normal brewing, yeah. with a smidgen of. A smidgen of vaginal swab chucked in. Mm. Anyway, do you want to well, know? So uh, I couldn't, I couldn't phrase this any better. But there's the okay. bottom half of the internet. So there's so an American well, we're dude. Just, we're in part three now, right? So we're like you're telling the story arc here. So, so, so we've <laughs> moved, we've moved from from you know knocking out a gene in Drosophila to understand how flies yeah. interact. In okay, dumbass. <laughs> Brewers used in vaginal yeast to two different organisms. One has nothing to do with the other. Beer has never ever been fermented with vaginal yeast. Not even in ancient Sumeria. 
I've got another bug story for you. Have you? Yeah. So, bring it on. But it's a little bit different. So, right, I'm going to show you a picture here. Do you know what this is, Nick? I'm going to show you a picture. What does it look like? Describe, it looks like describe some the picture. Leonardo da Vinci's bullshit. Can you? Do you know what it is? What am I looking at? The picture. Yeah, there's something in this picture. Can you see? Bearing in mind what this. It looks is like a um, a dead frog squashed on a leaf of papyrus. Uh, so what it is? It is a. Um, it's a lab book of a gentleman called uh, uh, Ray Huey. It was recorded in Harvard in 1947. So what was happening in Harvard in 1947? I've never heard of Ray Huey. No, you probably won't. What was happening in Harvard in 1947? Yeah. Well, I mean, anything post-war is, I would always say it's something to do with development of nuclear technology. It's not nuclear, but it is a development of some technology that's very ubiquitous today. Computers? Yeah. So they were working on a computer called the, called the Apple, sorry, it's called the Harvard 2. This is after they nicked all of Turing's ideas. Yeah, so it's kind of partially mechanical, exactly. So they, bo- they borrowed Turing's ideas. Like a bum? Uh, it's a bum? So the Harvard 2 was this computer. A bum? What it is? Well, well, well what, what, what? That's what they were called, weren't they? What did I show you? What was the image I just it showed It looked you? like a squashed frog on a piece of It paper. wasn't a frog, yeah, but bearing in mind what this, spe- this special's about, what do you think it was? It was a bug? Yeah. Yeah, but that could be any insect. Yeah, that's right. It was a bug. So, so, so what? That's also a common parlance in computer science, isn't it? Oh, a bug, right? It's right. the first computer bug. What? So before then, so, so, so that's what they. So they, they're working on this. this but that's Harvard a literal bug. They found it. It was it was found in uh, um, uh, like transistor six. That <laughs> was like. So the computer wasn't working. They came in. They were doing the experiments, and they're like, "Oh, it's not working. I'll go go check it." So just like you normally, like you know, take the lid off your computer or take whatever. They looked in, and said there was a physical bug in one of the transistors, and that stopped it working. And that stopped it working because oh. it was because it was partially mechanical. Right? Oh, I see. So, so it was a literal physical bug. A literal physical bug, and they've got, they've still got it. It's the seventieth anniversary last week oh. of the first computer bug, and now we use the word to de- debug your code is kind of just part of that process. But that the, the origin of that word came from a physical bug in 1947 you know, in Harvard. I, I, Isn't that I cool? Find, yeah, I, I find that cool, but I also find it... Um, I'm not sure that I believe it. Well, <laughs> it is. So I think that you could come up with the idea of a bug, something that... So, so, something so, so, so Edison had used, like, uh, figuring out bugs... Uh, in uh, in systems before, so there, there was a recorded use of it. Yeah, there but, you go. But, but it was the first time it got into common parlance in computer science. So, oh, okay. so, so from then on, it's just like ubiquitous in computer science. People use the term yeah. bug to fix code or well, that's hardware. Yeah, um, and so that that ha- is quite good. It's, so you like this computer, right? So the Harvard Mark II was 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 commissioned in 1947 by the U.S. Navy, right? right? So uh, it was much faster than them. So it was, uh, it's a high-speed electromechanical relays instead of mechanical sh- uh, counters that they used in the Mark One. Its addition time was 0.125 seconds. You could do eight multiplica- You could do eight additions in uh, in a second. Isn't it amazing now that we have gigahertz yeah, calc- yeah. like processors? Well, y- you know, you scoff, but um, and I I have no real knowledge to back this up. Right. <laughs> but um, the bomb, some of the mechanical computers, the valve-operated computers, could yeah. perform functions as fast as computers today, back in the early 40s. I think that's bullshit. I'm calling we'll call it horseshit on that one. We'll have a little. We'll what see whether mechan- we can edit it. Think about, think about the time scale. No, no, keep it in, right? Because think about the time scale. So if you've got a gigahertz processor that's making, that's making calculations, you know, hundreds of millions of times a second. Yeah. Right? Think about the time scale of that. It's, n- it's nanoseconds. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not. It's picoseconds. Okay. So you'd have to have a mechanical thing moving on the picosecond time well, scale. The, the reason that I know that, uh, or that I, I, I've been yeah. told that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told that. Did you know that ghosts exist, Steve? <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, really, I went to um, yeah. um, Bletchley, Bletchley Park, yeah, and it's an amazing museum. It's been done up since I was there, but I was there a few years ago, and there was an old guy there who was actually one of the people who reconstructed because they're all destroyed, of course, yeah, they were all smashed up, and he sort of pieced them back together by begging. Famously built from a telephone kind of mechanical exchanges. computer that could, that could crack the Enigma code. That's what happened at Bletchley Park, right? Yeah, that's where some of the origins of computing came from because they were building mechanical machines yeah. called bombs initially, and one, then there was one called Colossus, which was this, you know, yeah. first kind of computer almost. Yeah, yeah. Arguably not, but, you know, some people suggest that was the first computer. First but after the one. war, they, it, was all, it was top secret, so they were all smashed up. So this guy. He, he was an enthusiast and he rebuilt them. I don't know how he managed to get the information to rebuild them, but nevertheless he did. And he got a lot of the old valves from um, telephone exchanges and right. thrown them away. And I went there and you can see what, you can see a replica of Colossus working. It's amazing. You'd totally love it, Steve. There's one in the you science would, museum. You would literally ejaculate I've in your pants. <laughs> I really love mechanical things. <laughs> I really like them. Anyway, um, but the, the chap who actually had rebuilt it was still alive. He died. I don't Can know, five or six years ago. That would be the preamble to the podcast. Steve, you would literally ejaculate in your pants and then we'll just died fade in. Five, the guy died for... Yeah. You shouldn't be laughing about the guy who right. died for... Sorry. He was an old guy, it's all right. He had a good inning. But he was an amazing guy. And he gave yeah. this fantastic talk. And he made this claim that the Colossus could do some computations as fast as a modern processor. Right. Maybe there was a caveat. Yeah. It wasn't the... Mo- as fast as the most advanced computer, what? but as fast as a modern microprocessor, you said. Anyway, we will come back to that. I'll I see whether I see whether I'm calling bullshit on that. So oh, we, well, should, we should fact check it. You know, I tend to think uh, maybe you're right, Steve, because I just took it at face value because I thought he was such a wonderful man. But maybe it's 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 crap. You quite often get that sometimes, don't you? That's one of the burdens of being a scientist. Is you can just like some people say things with such enthusiasm, and then you just have to shit on their bonfire. And you're like, nah, that's not true, mate. <laughs> it can't possibly be true. I do it in my brain, and then talk to my friends about it later yeah and so I do it in the moment because I'm a prick That was the end of the bug podcast, the bug awesome. special. So now we're going to go and see Adam Buxton actually give bug the, his kind of show. And then what we should do is we make a bug, bug special of the podcast and then we can, we can send it to him, see if he likes it. We can. We're, also, we're going to meet her with Mel as well, long-term podcast uh, friend, Melissa Bovis, at Melissa Bovis on Twitter. Yeah. Um, She's awesome. You know, me and Mel, we went to the first ever bug. Did you really? Bug number one, we were there. Oh, wow. Do you feel like... Oh, I'm a bit. I'm a feel a bit intimidated now. You've got. You've I'm got a proper bug, long-term Buxton. I'm, I'm a bit of a Buxton. You are an official. I mean, I like him, but I think you are a bit. You like maybe a bit pathological when you're. A Were you, did you? Yeah, I was. I, I wouldn't. I was there at the beginning though. I yeah. was watching Adam and Joe. <laughs> when it was cool. That's quite hipster. That's a real kind of, you know, we're talking about hipsters at the beginning. Adam and Joe are not hipster. No, 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 no. But you, would do, you just said, I was listening to him before he was cool. And no, that no, comment. But you, can, you, you can say the same thing about, you could say the same thing about Saxon, the heavy metal band. I that agree. would never be But that was, that was never cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Adam and Joe cool? I don't even know. I think so. Cool. They're, they're very no, cool. They're not. Do you know, they're, they're do you know cool Joe, kind of Joe, like Joe Cornish was rumoured to uh, be the director of the new Star Wars film? 
Well, he's that cool. I don't think that's he will cool. Be because he's I don't not. No, he's not. He likes it's JJ. It's going to be JJ. Had a bad experience with the tech. Anyway, if the people that have been listening to the Science Shed want to do more, how can they interact with us? Nick? They can contact us on Twitter. I'm at the Evans Lab, and I'm at Steve the Chemist. Uh, they can send us an email yep. in the Science Shed yep. at gmail.com. Um, or and if they tweet us, we'll send them a sticker because I've got loads of stickers of the Science Shed. Yeah. We need to we need to spread the joy of the Science Shed. Great. And if they want to come and buy me a beer or um, give me some free beer, then I'm well up for it. Free beer, free... Well, any, if, if any companies are listening and they want to give us free booze, we're very receptive to that. Awesome. Anyway. All right. Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>